accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives in the shadow. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to have you here. And if you're watching online, we just want to say welcome to you. And it's a great day in the Lord. Our God is good. He reigns on high. Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are a good God and you do great and mighty things. And Lord, we love you. We welcome you here this morning, and we thank you for moving by your power and your greatness, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
thank you that you speak to us. For I am to you the living water. I am the one that will satisfy your soul. I am the one that will refresh you from the heat of the world. And I am flowing like a fountain, bubbling, moving, dispersing. And there are there is gladness in the streams that I bring. So come and drink of this water. Come and be refreshed of my presence, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Signature Worship. Amen. You may have your seats. Praise the Lord. Our God is a good God. We're glad that you're here this morning.
Nothing but good things in store. Hallelujah. Well, we get the privilege of as children of God to be able to speak God's word. So I want to invite you all to join us as we make a confession of faith that is based on God's word about harvest. Let's make our confession. God's, God's kingdom, kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. Seeds are powerful tools that bring increase and produce harvest. God has empowered us to be fruitful and multiply. Our God is good to us, and his blessing causes the earth to yield its harvest for us. He purposely plants our seed in good ground, and it grows, ripens, and we reap its return. We know the condition of our assets and pay close attention to our finances so that our family is well taken care of and we are able to help others. We work in God's kingdom. We receive wages and gather fruit for eternal life. We rejoice when we plant and when we reap. Our seeds begin to increase greatly the moment they are planted. We reap abundantly because we sow generously. We cheerfully and freely give to God's work and kingdom. God makes every favor and earthly blessing come to us, and we have more than enough to do what God wants and give to others. We are sowers, and the Lord gives us seed and meets our needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ. He multiplies our resources and increases our righteousness, so we are enriched in every way. We walk worthy of the Lord and please him in all things. We are fruitful, producing abundant harvest in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Our faith is strong, our insight is clear, and our love is strong for God's word. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning. Good to see each one of you here today. Okay, for announcements, we have our Air Force on Tuesday. That starts at 6. That's for our youth, ages 12 and up. So plan on coming and bringing a friend. Now that the weather is nicer and lighter outside, we get to go outside for part of our time. Except last time it was cold. We don't know, but we're planning on warm. And then um, we have ongoing fundraisers. We have some new items today. We have homemade ice cream, ice cream sandwiches, and an assortment of soft pretzels. So check that out. And um, we also came up with a name for our fundraising, because fundraisers just like fundraiser 
So we wanted to have something that expressed part of our identity and our creative creativeness. So um, together we came up with an Italian word that means palace. But yesterday we were doing an infomercial and we were like saying the name different ways. So I'm going to try to say it correctly. <laughs> Palazzo, Palazzo. Disease say T in Italian. Palazzo Creations. Yeah, oh, and Melissa made this little graphic that we'll be displaying with our palace and our creations. Palazzo. Melissa says it beautiful. Palazzo Creations. And that's to raise funds for us to go to Rama this summer. And we will be continuing because we have many places to go in the name of the Lord, Jesus. And then Wednesday night refreshing, 6.30. That's where we really taste the new wine and the refreshing, bubbling waters of life. So you want to be here at 6.30 on Wednesday. And this Saturday is Barnabas. Woohoo! Barnabas is for our men. Uh, men breakfast, men of encouragement. That starts at 8.30 in the morning. You start with breakfast and then you have a time of in the word together. And it's a great opportunity, men, for you to build your relationships with one another and invite some guys from work or your family, your neighborhood to come on out. I think you're usually, it's usually like two hours is what they could plan on, I think, if you're looking. Oh, she actually has time on here. Lisa. It says 8.30 to 10. I knew it. Like, they, they have a time. We don't have a time for ours. <laughs> we know we're not going to finish on time, so we just have a start time for the women. <laughs> but the guys, you know, we were working in the kitchen yesterday. It's kind of funny. I thought it was funny. I just, if I'm working in a room, everything's open. Because I'm going to go back to the cupboard, to the drawer. Well, I heard, I heard doors shutting. I look. And Josh was shutting all the doors after me. <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly what Nelson does. He goes around and shuts everything. <laughs> so that's like the time. They like things to be put in place. Even if you're coming back to it, shut the door. <laughs> so thank you, Josh. <laughs> okay. That's the end of my announcements. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, a Sunday school teacher asked her class, what was uh, Jesus' mother's uh, name? One child answered, Mary. The teacher then asked, who knows what Jesus' father's name was? A little kid answered, Verge. The kid confused, the teacher asked, where did you get that? The kid said, well, you know, they're always talking about Virgin Mary. (laughs) Hallelujah. A Sunday school class was studying the Ten Commandments. They were ready to discuss the last one. Then the teacher asked if anyone could tell her what it was. 
Susie raised her hand, uh, stood tall and quoted, Thou shalt not take the covers off the neighbor's wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, today in your giving, uh, I want you to keep this in mind. That God wants, this is a, a quote from Mark, Mark Hankins. God wants to bless you so abundantly so he can use you as an advertisement on how well he treats his children. Amen. How many want to be an advertisement for God? Amen. Well, give, give God something to work with. Amen. And Father, I just bless every uh, giver and their gifts, Lord, as they bring it into the kingdom of God. And we are just so grateful and thankful uh, for your goodness in the name of Jesus. And at this time, uh, we're going to have a special uh, testimony from Fiona. You know, Fiona Pishka, she is my wonderful wife. Uh, she is a mother. She is a business owner. She is a prophet. Um, she is uh, many things. But she became something different as of uh, April 18th of this year. It was conferred on uh, Fiona that she is a doctor of uh, business administration. So I want to, amen, hallelujah. So she's just going to come up and uh, testify about uh, what the Lord has done in her life. So before I do that, I have to say I'm the mother of Gabriel and Josiah. Josiah wanted me to say that. (laughs) He said he didn't say who you're the mother of. Okay. (laughs) I guess he wanted to make clear because, you know, the orphanage and all these people that call me mom, he wants to make sure everybody knows who I'm the real mom of. (laughs) So listen, uh, I want to testify in my testimony. This has something to do with it. What we were singing this morning about the favor of God. And, uh, you know, the story of uh, Jesus turning water into wine, it's in John chapter two and um, in verse four, when his mom asked him to do this, well, she didn't, she told him what the problem was. And he said, you know, uh, Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand? This is the um, passion translation uh, said it a little calmer. My dear one, not woman. Uh <laughs> Don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. And Mary said to the servants and told them, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And then it said, nearby stood six stone water pots meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one could hold about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and instructed them, fill the pots with water, etc., so what I want, when we were singing about the favor of God, what I want to share with you about that is that um, man, the number six, six pots, six water pots is the number of man. Um, man has labeled each person something. So in society, like where you work, your family, whoever, they have a name for you. They have a thought of what you can be used for. These, this water in particular was used for washing the ritual of cleaning themselves before they go into the synagogue. So basically washing, washing their feet, 
washing their hands. So when they go into the synagogue, they're clean. Okay, these are the same people that didn't really respect Jesus later on, we know. But here's the thing. So the water pots were used for ceremonial rituals of cleaning. So it's like a cleaning water. Wash your bathroom, wash your toilet. Make sure your feet are clean. Okay, that's what these pots were used for. Nobody in their right mind in that room would take those pots up to the master of ceremonies and display them as the holder of the wine everybody will be drinking. Okay? And so, but when Jesus said, fill it back up now with water and then go serve it, Jesus changed, first of all, the quality of water that went into the same pots. It held about 20 gallons of water. And then he told them to dip out of those same pots and go serve it. So what I'm saying this to you is, when the favor of God comes on your life, everything else you were used for before by man, it's it's gone. Because when he comes, he's filling you back up with stuff that's so potent that when you dish it out, when people take and serve out of you, the master of ceremonies for whatever location you are will declare this is the best we have ever seen. Right? And you notice what he said, you save the best for last. Which means you will be the last person that has to touch that problem because you solve it. You see that? It's the, it's the, it's the pattern of Joseph when he went to Egypt. Nobody else had to come in and help him solve the problem of famine and feast, right? It's the same thing with Moses' life, right? He, he get, got the people out of Egypt and they were in, in the, they were in route to the promised land. It continued with Joshua. But what I'm saying is when God fills you up with what it is he wants to serve out of you, you are the final one. You show up and it's, this is, you save the best for last. Right? So it doesn't matter what's been served before you wherever you go. When you show up, God saved the best for last. Right? Okay, we can go home now. So, so you want to hear my story? All right. In 2019, February of 2019, Pastor Doug and uh, Gabe and my brother were in Fiji. Do you remember when that was? It was around Valentine's Day or something like that. February. And uh, so while Pastor Doug is gone, I uh, have all this time that I can't sleep. <laughs> so I was uh, up one night and I just started praying. And that's when the Holy Spirit gave me the instruction that he wants me to start praying for two hours every day in tongues. So I decided, okay, great. So I'm going to do that. So for a couple of days, I started praying in tongues for two hours. And then about the third or fourth day of doing that, one night I was up again. One night, well, up late for me, it's 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. So I was up and the Holy Spirit says, you missed an instruction that should have been done 18 years ago uh, to do your doctorate. And I went, oh, well, pardon me. I never even heard it. <laughs> so immediately... I said, well, I need to solve this problem. I can't, like, miss an instruction from God. I mean, that's 18 years. That's a long time. But here's the thing. When we miss something from God, he'll bring it back to us at the right time. 
If he had brought that to me any other time, I wouldn't have been able to successfully accomplish it because of the things that were happening in life. I, it would have been broken up. It would have been, it would have been, so this was the right time. So I knew because God said it then, that's the right time. So, um, when Pastor Doug called the next time we talked, I said to him, you know, the Lord's telling me to do my doctorate. And he said, yeah, do what you got to do. That's how our discussions go. So <laughs> I said, okay. And I said, and I do not want to take out any loan for this. I'm not going to take out a loan for school. That's not going to happen. So he said, okay. So I went online. Now you always start with what you know. When God gives you an instruction, start with what you know. You have to make a move so he can tell you what to do. Don't sit there and go, okay, Lord. Uh, yes, I'll do my doctorate. Now tell me. What do you want me to do? Just show me. I want you to do a doctorate. That was the first instruction. <laughs> right? So I got on the computer that night, and I, st- and I started with the school I knew. I had just recently, in January, met a uh, school at Rayma. They had a display of all these schools. And I remember par- particularly speaking to someone. Um, I forgot the name of the school, but they had a doctoral program, and he was talking to me about it when he realized I had a master's. Right? And so I remember that. So I said, okay, well, let me go on there. I did some research. I started with that. I said, I know that school, all that. They're, you know, they're kind of connected to Raymond Away, so I'll just fill out an application. So I did. I just filled out an application. But when I was looking at the choices of degrees, I just, I called them. I had a long conversation with this man, and they would have had to piece together different degrees to get me the degree I wanted. And the classes I wanted to take. So I said, okay, well, yeah, I think I can work with that. Because remember, I'm thinking I need to fulfill the instruction from God, right? So I filled out the application. I pressed submit, and nothing happened. I pressed submit again. Nothing happened. I pressed submit again. Nothing happened. There were no errors on the page. You know, it was all fine, but nothing happened. I said, you know, I am too tired. So tomorrow morning, I'll wake up, give the computer a chance to rest, (laughs) It might be tired. And <laughs> I will wake up in the morning and I will see what's going on. So I closed the computer down, put it aside, went to sleep. That night as I was sleeping, I saw all. But before I did that, I had done a lot of research with other schools, right? So I had other schools in my head, but this is the one I settled on just because I knew it. So I was sleeping. And while I was sleeping, all of a sudden I saw all the information from that registration page just float off of the page and go on to Liberty University's application. I went, oh, well, that's why I didn't go through. So I woke up the next morning, took all the information, copied and pasted it on the Liberty University page. And But when I was on Liberty University site, it had the degree that just like, I went, oh, I love every subject. I was reading all the subjects I was going to do. I said, oh, that makes me feel so good, like strategic this. And, oh, and I went, yes. So, I, that was the, so they had the exact degree that I was, the exact subjects that I liked, which led to a degree that they had, which I didn't know anything about the degree. Well, it turns out that specific degree is designed to coach Top executives in companies. That's the high, that's the degree they look for when they're looking for a, a consultant, which is what I wanted to use the degree for. But I didn't know what the degree was that you're supposed to use for that. So I started the program in February. Well, I applied in February. The program started in May. 
And when I started the program, it's eight-week classes, so they go very fast. They do double the work per week, which you know if you know online school. Well, the first four weeks of my brand-new school session, I took two classes. I was in Guyana at the orphanage. So I dragged all my books, my computer, everything. I hadn't been in school for 25 years. And so (laughs) I'm in Guyana trying to do school after, you know, I work with the kids and stuff. And I'm seeing this stuff that isn't making sense. And I'm thinking, what are these people replying to? I have no idea where they are. What are they doing? It was just tormenting. So I just, so when I came back four weeks later, I started, um, I sat, I came back on a Friday, that whole weekend, I sat on the couch. Pastor Doug made breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me. <laughs> I literally sat on the couch and did school just to get caught up. Here's what I realized. A lot of the information I was seeing in parts is what it was. The country blocked a lot of the websites, which, well, not the bandwidth. The country didn't permit that content to come into the country. So I was doing, I had to do research. I had papers to write and research to pull up, and the things wouldn't show up. And here's why, because the content matter was blocked. And that's why we realized, oh, they don't see everything we see. That's just another side story. So. Bottom line is, so that's how my journey started. Just so you know, four weeks in, four weeks pretty much went by by. I had to catch up. Got that done. Fast forward. Anyway, while I started doing this process, I said, you know what? I do not want to write a dissertation that's going to be in a library somewhere. Boring, dry, got to do it. I don't want to do that. I'm using this for consultation. So I want to do a consulting project for my dissertation. Well, they didn't have such a thing. A couple of months later, like in summer, they sent out a notice. We have changed this degree. <laughs> From now on, this is the last class that will have the opportunity to do a dissertation, a traditional dissertation. And we're adding the opportunity to do a case study or a consulting project. I said, yay! So... <laughs> Now, if you apply for that same degree, you don't get to do a dissertation. You can only do a case study or a consulting project. So I obviously opted for the consulting project because that's what I spoke. That's what I wanted. So I'm going through, did all my classes. I did classes. I got three A minuses and all A's, which gave me a 3.9. And praise God. And so now I'm coming to the end, which is three semesters long. But they're 16-week semesters because this is where you do your dissertation. So there was a company that I chose to get that done with, right? I chose the company. We talked. They gave me permission. They gave me the letter. They have all these permissions they have to give you. And I'm going along with all the process, and it's based on this company because it's a consulting project. So I got to solve a problem in the company. My problem I was solving was employee morale, turnover, customer service using servant leadership. Okay, so the part to solve the problem, we find out what the problem is. So my final semester, which was in this last February here, February seems to be the theme, I uh, was time now for me to go to the company and do the research with the, co- with the employees, you know. I had 10 questions to ask them so I could find out some things so I can solve the problem. Well, when it was time to do that, the company kept pushing back. So about four weeks went by. This is my 16-week time here. And they are going back. They don't want me to do it the way we planned. 
They want me to do it where the people just send me their information and all this stuff. So finally, in February, Pastor Doug is at Ramah with uh, Josiah. No, Josiah wasn't there. It was just Pastor Doug. And the company on a Friday afternoon sends me a note to say, I'm sorry, we will not be able to work with you on this project. And so I said, huh. I was dealing with the HR lady the whole time. So I decided, let me call the owner of the company, the president. I found where he was. I called. He got on the phone with me. And he said, no, we're not going to do this because blah, 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 blah. And he was very rude and disrespectful. So I thought, you know, I don't think I want to work with this guy anyway. So <laughs> I said, okay. So now I have a problem. It's eight, about six weeks into a 16-week process. I have no company. And my biggest thing was, I don't want to rewrite everything I just wrote. We're talking 200 pages of information. I just don't want to do that. <laughs> so I, so here's the thing. May 7th is the graduation, 6th or 7th. So I thought I had till around that time, you know. And then I discovered I have until April 23rd to turn in my final thing approved, everything approved, which would be this weekend. So I'm like, I called the Billy Graham Association. I called some other big name organizations and all of them. I talked to them, went through a proper channel. Nobody wanted me to do it with them. And I asked my chair one question that shifted everything because I thought it had to be a certain criteria and he told me otherwise. So it turns out I got to work with a company who the owner was in our youth group 25 years ago when Doug and I were living in Tennessee. And he started a company. And he was already thinking, he, he thought they had a pretty good servant leadership approach, but it wasn't verified. They didn't really do it in a certain way. But that gave me three weeks to, to interview the people, implement the solution, and interview them back again to see if it changed. <laughs> so I was speaking to the situation the whole time. Because I was so okay. Somebody asked me if I got angry, you know, when that company dropped me, and yes, I did. I, angry wouldn't be the word. Maybe ticked off royally. That's a higher level of anger, right? And the thing is, it happened on the weekend after they delayed me for four or five weeks. So when the enemy attacks you, it is vicious when he attacks you. Right. So that was like a vicious attack because not only were they stringing me along, but it came so close to the time. And then on the day before the weekend, I who, what company am I going to call over the weekend? So it was done with such strategic derailment. But this is where you have to know who God is. See, you can't do exploits if you don't know who your God is. That's what Daniel says. That those who know their God. They're the ones that will do exploits. Okay? So I knew God gave me the instruction. I knew it had to be done. And I knew there is no way on this planet I'm going to have another summer where I'm doing school. <laughs> I was done. Okay? So all those things combined, I, there had to be a solution. And I had to speak the solution. So 
when this started happen, so anyway, I got this company. So we're talking, I was about, I don't know, I was quite a few weeks into the thing. March 15th is when I talked to the company that I worked with and we started the process. They had to give me a letter of, you know, that they agree with this. All this stuff, like we had to start from scratch. What took a year to do, they had to do within like, but this company, everything in a company, the leadership is what makes it work or breaks it. And it, I, if I could contra- contrast the two companies, I could write something about that. That would have been a dissertation if I tell you. So, <laughs> so that company was on board. They already had a culture like servant leadership, but I did see a couple things that could have derailed them, which is the problem I solved. And so I did two, two hour training sessions, four hours of training to teach them stuff and then gave them one week for implement for, for their employees to feel the benefits and they did <laughs> because actually my premise also is servant leadership is a matter of the heart and any matter of the heart bypasses natural elements so i knew so this paper turned out to be this consulting project turned out to show me that if you implement a god solution the results are practically immediate like every solution God put in the Bible, water into wine. How long is that supposed to take? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> there was a missing ingredient like grapes. <laughs> but all those things don't matter when you're talking exploits. Okay? And the reason I wanted to testify about this is because you see me Wednesday and Sunday, whether in person or online, you talk to me otherwise during the week, whatever. I am. This is me. I did that because God led me to do He led me through it. But I'm a human being that did that. It's not some story you're reading in a book or some Bible story you read that it may or may not happen. Because your brain, your brain will accommodate for what you think really happened and what didn't happen. To make you feel better about it. Next time you read the Bible and read miracles, think about that. What are you accommodating in the story? To make you feel better that none of this ever happened for you. Okay? So, while we had the women's conference, there were 17 tasks that had to be completed. And a few of them needed the university's approval, which is the big one. And each task, the professor and the university each have six days to respond. So that was my issue. (laughs) Because... It didn't add up, you know what I'm saying? So when I started this, I was on task 12. I had to start from task 12 to 15, five tasks. If you, the time, to, and then every time they edit something, you have to edit something, it's another six days. So here's a backstory to my dissertation. When I first presented my subject to my chair, the person who's my chair, you have a chair, right? And they're the ones that's supposed to walk you through this and help you out. He pushed back against me and said that servant leadership is the same thing as transformational leadership, which transformational leadership is a knockoff <laughs> of servant leadership. And I, I, one is nice to people so they can get the project done. Servant leadership is nice to people, period. That's the knockoff. A lot of Christians use transformational leadership, and it is a fake. And they think it's like the Bible. It's not. Servant leadership is it. Anyway, so he pushed back on me, and he's an HR guy. 
and he's and he was very offended that I was comparing the two. And I realized I said he must use transformation leadership a lot. <laughs> so it got so bad. So we're talking weeks now, about two, three weeks are going by. He doesn't want to accept my subject, which was already accepted. And he's the in-between between him and the school. I elevated it all the way to the main guy, to the top. His boss, his boss, his boss. Because time was of essence for me. And they kept saying, he's a good chair, he's a good chair. I said, I don't think this man has ever done this before, ever. Right? And they're like, he's a good chair, you can't change your chair. I said, well, then we have a problem. (laughs) So he wrote very harsh words to me about the subject like you know and I copied and pasted those words and I explained to the chair I said here's the deal maybe I don't understand English well (laughs) but this is what was said to me and immediately the chair changed his entire uh, response to me so here's why that's important I know I'm taking some time but you're going to learn stuff out of this see in the beginning this man this chair was a key to getting me through. But when it started, it didn't look that way. And his response to me was not what it needed to be to get me to the end, right? And so the devil was setting it up so that I would just accept. So I would have had to change my subject is what I had to do. Well, if I had changed my subject, I wouldn't have had enough time, (laughs) okay? So... I pushed back, but here's the key. When you have an enemy and you fight them, you have to fight your enemy. You can't just let them run all over you. But you have to do it in love. Because love never fails. Okay? So I pushed back and pushed back hard. So we started working together. Sometimes he'd give me a document and it would have like a hundred and some edits. And I realized this man is thorough. Wow. You know, so I worked with him. I was thankful that he called all these things. But here's what happened. Towards the end now, so when my uh, this company dropped me, him and I started communicating by text now because this is like major. And he's trying to contact the school. He's the in-between between me and the school. And what happened is him and I started communicating by text, back and forth, back and forth. He was willing to actually let me work with the company he works for if that would help. But it would have been a major, uh, you know, uh, conflict of interest, which he did as a school, right? So he was started rooting for me. So here's what this man did. He said, he called me. If anybody from Liberty University is listening, please close your ears at the moment. Uh, <laughs> you don't know what chair it was. He called me and he said, I need to call you instead of typing this. I said, okay. He called me and he said, listen, I've read your writing for three semesters now. You're pretty good. I, I don't have any concerns. I'm just going to go ahead and approve your stuff so you can get to the final one. I said, sounds good. He said, I don't want you to feel like I don't care about what you're writing. To re-. I said, look, we're past that right now. We're good. <laughs> so he literally approved, boom, 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 like three or four of the things to get me to the final thing. Here's how the Lord worked it out. He said to me, though, he said, Fiona, every time, every person that's gone to the uh, admin, they always come back with at least one change. I said, that's not how it works for me. Because that would have meant six days. I said, so, I said, you said that last time and they didn't have a change. So we're just going to go with that. He goes, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) 
I did my, I did the final thing, which was 200 and some pages, 30 pages of references. Each page holds about eight to 10 references. So that just tells you how much, pro, how much content I had to read to do this work. Anyway. <laughs> and then I had to do a presentation. Well, it so happens that the presentation had to be to the chair only. This is the only one that is that way. Because it is a consulting project and the information is highly confidential because it's about a company. So when you present it to the chair, nobody else is allowed to have it. The, the, the school itself locks it up. Nobody gets to see it again. The admin gets to look at my presentation, but I have to speak to them. And they will approve it, whether they agree with it or not or whatever, right? So my chair and I already have a great relationship. I mean, we're, we're buddies here. And when he called me the first time when we talked, he said, hey, it's nice to talk to you. He said, it didn't start off too well, did it? I said, no, it didn't. But hey, he was like, man, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? This girl is not working. This year. I said, but it all worked out. He goes, yes, it did. I said, good. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We ha- I didn't have anything against him. I knew what was happening. So he, I gave him my presentation right here in the church office. And a 45-minute presentation, he asked me one question. I answered it. He was okay with it, and he approved my stuff. And then the admin, we sent it to the admin. They had to approve it. So listen to this. They have six days. I said, I don't want them to take six days. I want them to take hours. What should be days need to be hours. Hours later, they responded. And their response, they did need one more thing, but it wasn't from me. (laughs) It was from my chair. (laughs) And so... He was brand new. He had never done this before. We were his first group. He was taken all the way through. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he did his part, right? And, and handed it in. So, okay, they handed it in. They approved it, right? But here's the other part. I thought that was it. Well, the registrar has to look at it. And they take three to four weeks. And I said, oh, no, I don't think so. So I sent, so after I hear that, I said, I send my angels to move paperwork around. I don't care what you got to do. And we're going to take hours instead of weeks. And so within hours, the registrar approved it. And then now that was a Friday, Easter weekend. And I thought, oh man, then there's another step, which I didn't know about. (laughs) The university has to confer the degree to me. I went, this is ridiculous. I, and that's another three-week process. I am not taking three weeks. So I said, I send my angels again to move all the paperwork around so that I get within hours. So Monday night at like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, I got an email. I was shocked because I thought that day I was like, I need to hear on Monday. But 5 o'clock came. I didn't hear anything. I went, this is not acceptable. Well, 10 o'clock at night, I got the email to say, congratulations, you have been conferred. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> do you see so i literally had until this weekend to get it all i would have had to get everything conferred by this weekend but god so here's what i say god does things under time budget and miraculously so nobody gets credit but him but even though we don't get credit this is where i think we miss it even though we're not supposed to take credit we're supposed to do the work Like we want credit. Do you understand that? So that means you're given everything. You you don't take the credit, but you have to do something that gives credit. 
Because what are you going to give God? If you want to give God the credit, you have to do things worthy of credit. Right? So I'm telling you all this to show you right in this house, this happened. While church was going on, while I'd sing worship, while I was staying here at the orphanage, while all this stuff was happening, that's what was happening behind the scenes. And God miraculously worked the whole thing out. So now I have a degree that uh, business people who are looking for a consultant will look for those degrees. And I'm ready to be the final cup of wine they taste (laughs) to solve that problem (laughs) amen so i don't know whatever you think that you're used up whatever those pots were empty anyway but (laughs) the refilling of the pot was with what jesus said should go into it and then he said what it should come out as so he put something in it and took something else out and dished it up and nobody saw it coming except maybe his mama But she didn't even know how it was going to happen. Amen. That's my testimony. Amen. Our God is good. Amen. And if he does it for Fiona, he can do it for you. At this time, we want to dismiss our kids for their kids' life class. So kids, have a great class. Hallelujah. You ready for the next phase? I want you to go with me to Psalm 91. You know, there's a place that every believer can go. Satan can't go there. It's a special place. It's a holy place. It's a glorious place. Psalm says it's a secret place, but it's also God's throne. Did you know that as a believer in Christ Jesus, you have been given access to go into God's throne room anytime that you so desire? Amen? So I want to talk to you briefly this morning about the protocol of approaching God's throne. Because it's something that we all can do. And, uh, you know, we can go to the greatest place in all the universe. Think about that. You have access to the greatest place in all the universe. All right? And in Psalm 91, just verse 1. Well, actually, verses 1 and 2. He that dwells in the secret place of, of who? The Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, or El Shaddai. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. So he is talking about someone who can dwell in a place. Amen? Who, do you have a favorite spot where you like to just hang out? You know, uh, God's got a spot where we can hang out. 
It's called the most holy place, the secret place, the throne of God. Amen? We can hang out there. We can go there. We can dwell there as long as we want, any time of the day. It, it is open 24-7. And we as a believer in Christ Jesus, we can go to the throne room of God. Every one of us has been given an invitation. Whether or not you go, you've already, you have your invitation. You can go, you know, if you just let your invitation accumulate dust, I mean, you, you, you can use it. Amen? You can go there. And uh, sometimes, you know, the shadow often refers to protection. And um, so we're, we're going to look at the protocol of approaching God's throne. And, uh, you know, he dwells there. He's there right now. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Amen? You know, when John, in the book of Revelation, he said the heavens were open and he saw a throne. And one sitting on the throne. Amen? And in that throne, there's the mercy seat. Hallelujah. And uh, God's throne is incredible. It's wonderful. And uh, it is, you know, it's God's boardroom. You can go into the throne room and you can have a discussion with the creator of the universe. You can talk with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus' blood gave you access into that place. Amen? And it's a place that we can go. And uh, you can spend as much time there as you want. Hallelujah. Uh, Watchman Nee, he said this, God's throne is heaven's boardroom where you have a seat reserved for you. Remember, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. As soon as we see the Lord Jesus on the cross, we know our sins are forgiven. As soon as we see the Lord Jesus on the throne, we know the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Hallelujah. So at the throne, important decisions are made. You want to get direction for your life? Go to the throne. You want, to, you want wisdom for an important decision? Go to the throne. Amen? And uh, you won't even get harassed by God's secret service. Wow, you've been given access. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. Jesus is Lord of your life. And that gives you access into this place, into the most holy place. Amen? It's at the throne where mercy is obtained. It's at the throne where grace is found and forgiveness is dispensed and received. You know, God sits on, on two, his throne sits on two things, righteousness and justice. Aren't you glad it's just not justice? But, but at this throne, you can obtain mercy and you can find grace. You know, that when the Bible says Noah found grace in God's sight, he must have been able to go before God. Amen? Because you find, you find grace at the throne room. At the throne. Amen? It's before the throne that transformation occurs. You'll go into the throne room one way and you'll come out a different way. Moses spent 40 days with God on the mountain and he came down and his face was literally lit up. 
So much so that the people told him to put a veil on his face. You're glowing, Moses. Where did he get that glow? He spent time in God's presence. He, God came down on a mountain. And there was thundering and lightning and thick darkness and cloud. And, and I believe that Mo- Moses got a glimpse of heaven. I believe that God showed him the tabernacle in heaven so he could build one on the earth. But you know what? Just as God invited Moses to come up, God's inviting you to come in. We have an open invitation from our God. All right? It's at the throne where you receive direction, guidance, divine advice. Amen? It's at the throne where your carnal nature and its desires are defeated. There's no carnality at the throne. Amen? When Isaiah had a vision of Jesus high and lifted up and his train fills the temple, he says, whoa, wait a minute, I'm a man of unclean lips. And what happened? God sent an angel to get a coal from the altar and put it on his lips, and his lips were transformed. But Isaiah realized that there was something missing in his life that he needed. And and God corrected it there. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So you're going to leave the throne room different. It's at the throne room where revelations are imparted and revealed. You want to get inside into God's kingdom? Go chat with him. Amen. Go have a little talk with Jesus. Go have a big talk with Jesus. Amen. Amen. He, he, has, he has created this place for you, for him and you, to have discussions about your life and about your future and about what's going on with you. Amen. You want answers? They're at the throne. And you can go there anytime. Glory to God. At the throne, protection is provided from the enemy because it's God's secret place. The enemy can't go there. He's been kicked out. He has no access into the heavenly realm of of God's dwelling place. He has been kicked out of heaven. He cannot access heaven like you and I can. He's lost his position. He lost his anointing. And and God has, through Jesus Christ, we, we can go to a place that the devil can't go. So it's a safe place. It's a protected place. You won't get bugged from the enemy there. While you're in the throne room, you won't have thoughts that contradict what you need to do. Amen? It's like it's a secure place. You know, the president has secure place. He's got a secure bunker under the White House. When, when, when trouble comes, he can go there, and it's a safe place. Amen? We've got a safe place where we can go in God. Hallelujah. It's at the throne, your problems get solved. You are lifted, corrected, and, and encouraged to progress. Do you know at the throne, God's going to cheer you on? But in his cheering on, he may have to correct some things. Amen? But you know what? Corrections at, before the throne just take place real quick. You know, it, it, didn't take, it didn't take long for Isaiah to get his mouth straight. It was just like that. Zip, zip, zip. Oh, done. Okay. All right? It's at the throne where your humanity meets divinity. Humanity meets divinity. And there's someone on the throne who is both human and God. He's sitting at God's right hand. Both human, both God, right there with his scars to show what he did. His scars 
are proof that you've been given access into this place. The scars that he bore on his body. Hallelujah. And it's at the throne where plans are laid out and clarified. Now let's go to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This contains the protocol. Right? What's protocol? It's the right procedures and process of approaching someone in a prominent position. You know, our White House has a protocol, right? I mean, you can't just show up to go to the White House with cut-off shorts and a tank top. Is that am, am I, right? First of all, you've got to be invited. Because if you try to get in and you're not invited, you're going to have some resistance, right? I had the privilege of seeing President Ronald Reagan speak. My cousin went to Eureka College in Illinois. And when she was graduating, it was the 50th graduation of this university, and President Ronald Reagan was the speaker. And I saw as we were going in to the... uh to enjoy the graduation, there were snipers on the roofs. There were guys with little gold pins and things in their ear all over the place. And three Chinook helicopters, that's the dual propeller helicopters, landed, right? And and I got to hear President Ronald Reagan speak in person. It was awesome. I, I forget how young I was, but it was a great experience. But there's lots of protocol. Amen? I mean, when a president shows up in a place... Traffic is interfered with, right? The airspace is interfered with. And there is a right protocol in approaching God. And we got to follow his protocol that he laid out. In Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to look at verse 16, and then we're going to go to the beginning of this chapter. Verse 16 says, let us, are you and us? Therefore, Come boldly unto the throne of grace. You come with confidence. You come with assurance in what Jesus has done for you. This is how we approach the throne. You approach it with boldness, with confidence, with assurance. Let us, is that an invitation? Let us come. That's an open invitation. There's no time, there's no day, but you can come anytime, any day. Amen? Come boldly unto the throne of grace, the throne of favor. It's a throne of favor that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many need grace to help you? I don't know about you. I need grace every day. I need grace to help me. And God gave us a place where we can find grace. It's at the throne of grace. And we can come boldly. We can come with confidence. We can come with certainty. I'm coming into this place because Jesus did something for me. I put my faith in him and therefore I have access to this place. Just like you have access to this place. He didn't say just for preachers. He said for believers. Amen. Hallelujah. So what are the ways that we must approach God's throne. This is the protocol, right? Number one, you've got to approach God's throne in faith. 
You've got to approach God's throne in faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, let us fear, let us therefore fear. Now, he's not talking about being afraid. He's talking about uh, reverence, lest a promise being left of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Do you realize not everybody takes advantage of going to the throne? Some people spend a little bit more time there than others, and you see the effects of it on their life. Amen? You know, when Moses had the tabernacle on the earth, he would go there, right? And the glory of God would come down, the pillar of fire would come over the tabernacle, and Moses would talk with God face to face as a man talks with his friend, right? And he would, he would make decisions, he would do judgments, he would solve problems, right? Then he'd go home. But his servant Joshua would stay at the tabernacle. He would linger. Because he saw the presence, he saw the effects, and he, he, he made it his dwelling place. How many know God is so good that you don't want to leave his presence? Okay, verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. In them that, you know what? Do you realize you've got to mix faith with the message that you hear? In other words, you've got to put action to what you hear, right? You can't just hear something from God's word and do nothing with it because that's no faith. Faith does something with what it hears. And we have to approach God. We have to come before God in faith. Amen? We come with confidence and a sense of triumph in what God has done. Has God done some things for us? Did Jesus accomplish a victory for us? That's how we come. I mean, faith is confidence in God, isn't it? Faith is assurance, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we come to God by faith. And uh, we have to come... With an open heart. Hebrews 3 and 4 talks about a group of people who were, he he keeps warning them, don't be hard-hearted. Hard-heartedness is resisting God. It's not letting him entrance. It's not letting him have his way. It's hard-heartedness. Right? And he is warning these people in these two chapters of Ephesians, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep saying Ephesians, Hebrews 3 and 4, I'm sorry. So we come to God by faith, right? We come to fellowship with him. You know, sometimes you can just go into God's presence, God just wants to spend time with you. I mean, don't you want to spend time with people who love you? There's no one who loves you more than God. He just likes, as much as we like being in his presence, he likes being in your presence. Think about what he did to make being in your presence possible. Think about to the extent that he went to, to make it possible for us to have fellowship once again. Do you realize when man broke fellowship with God, God's heart was broken. God's heart was grieved. He was sad. He wasn't happy. 
that man sinned and fellowship between him and man were broken. And But he did something about it. He sent Jesus Christ who came and gave his life and he restored that communion. He restored that fellowship. He restored that connection. Sometimes you just got to go into God's presence and just hang out. Amen? You know, Mary just enjoyed sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him talk. And you know what Jesus said? She chose the better thing at that moment. Jesus said what she did is not going to be taken away from her. She took time just to listen to his words. I love you, Jesus. I just enjoy sitting with you, hearing your voice. Oh, I stand in awe. You know, the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than anywhere else. Just let me be a doorkeeper. That's how much he valued God. See, you got to value God's presence. And we ought to be comfortable in God's presence. If someone's, if a spirit, if the spirit of God is moving and people aren't comfortable, they haven't been in the presence. Or they haven't spent much time in the presence. You know, when you don't spend much time somewhere and you go there, it's kind of uncomfortable. Amen? I'm getting ready to go to India again. In the third week in August, I'm going to be teaching at Rama, India for a week. And uh, it's going to be a little uncomfortable because it's going to be a new place. Amen? So you come, by, you come to God by faith. You participate with his anointing. Amen? Keep your confidence strong. You rely on his promises. Hallelujah. Number two, go to verses six and seven. You've got to come through obedience. If you want to approach God's throne, you've got to come with obedience. Verses six and seven of Hebrews four. Seeing, therefore, it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Verse 7, again, he limits a certain day, saying, David, today after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not his heart. Part of obedience, hearing his voice means you're going to do what he says. How many want to do what God says? So we got to approach God's throne with faith, and we got to approach God's throne with obedience. Obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice. Does God value obedience? Yeah. Obedience will either cost you or break you. I mean, it'll either cost you or make you. I'm sorry. Right? When you obey, you're going to receive the blessing, but when you don't obey, it's going to cost you. You read about the people who didn't obey what God said. It cost them. It wasn't God's will for Israel to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Their disobedience cost them. They had, to, they had a 40-year delay. And it wasn't God's plan. It was their resistance to God. If you hear his voice, that means... you. You're going to do what he says. Amen? So we got to come to the throne of God with obedience. All right? Number three, we got to come with diligence. Verse 11. 
Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That, that word labor there is the word diligence. We gotta be diligent to enter in. We gotta move speedily. We gotta be swift. The Bible says be swift to hear, slow to speak. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen more. There is a time to speak, yes, but sometimes we gotta be swift to hear and slow to speak. Amen? We gotta be diligent to present ourselves approved of God. Being diligent means we accomplish everything that God wants through faith. Because that's the only way that we're going to please God. You're not going to please God by your own works. If you do works and they're not in faith, God's not pleased. The only thing that pleases God without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Everybody say impossible. You've got to do it by faith. Okay? And we know faith obeys, doesn't it? Faith hears, faith obeys, right? So we come to the throne room by faith. We come there through obedience. We come with diligence, all right? Look at verse 12. We come by the word. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's a discerner of thoughts and intense of the heart. Do you know why we come to the throne by the word? Because the word made a way for us. Do you realize the word is sitting there at the right hand of God? Jesus is the word. And the word made a way for us, so we got to come by the word. Why do you think God gave us his word? So that we could follow it. So that we could do it. Aren't you glad for the word of God? So we come to the throne room by faith. We come through obedience, we come with diligence, and we come by the word. Hallelujah. The word of God gives us promise of entering into his rest, entering into his secret place. Amen. His word unlocks the doors. Jesus said, I am the door. And if you believe in him, the door is open to you. All of us have an open door in heaven. His name is Jesus. He went there to show us how we can get there. Amen? All right? And then we already read verse 16. Or no, uh, verses 14 and 15. After we come by his word, seeing then that we have a great high priest. I'm going to say a great high priest. That has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So we have to come with honor and reverence and respect. He's not just a a high priest, he's the great high priest. He is, he, he's the only high priest that is God and man. He is the only one qualified to be the mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So we have to come with reverence, honor, and respect. That's really the essence of the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? That's the beginning of wisdom. 
The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's the respect, honor, and reverence. If you want to be wise, respect, honor, and reverence God. What does it mean to do that? You honor God's things. You honor God's people. You honor God's places. You know, when Gabriel was younger, he played hockey. And some of his games took place on Sunday mornings. And we told his coach from the very beginning, if there's a game on Sunday morning, Gabriel won't be here. Why? Because we reverence, honor, and respect the things of God greater than the things of this world. And that means when you got a worldly thing and God's thing happening at the same time, something's got to sacrifice. Are you going to sacrifice God's thing or are you going to sacrifice a worldly thing? Come on. You can say, as Brother Hagin would say, you can say amen or oh me. It's the same anyway, right? But we're talking about approaching God's throne. A place that we're all invited to, to participate in, to benefit from, to come in and enjoy. God's presence. Amen? It's, it's there. It exists. It's in heaven. The Bible talks about his throne. I'm leaving a bunch of scriptures out because of time thing, but uh, you got to come and honor Jesus as the high priest. The high, the, the, the high priest means the chief priest. He's the chief shepherd. Hallelujah. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the rock of age. He's the one where it all hangs on. And we got to treat him as such. He, he deserves our respect our honor, and our love. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, he even said, have no other gods before me. That means no person, place, or thing, or position, or money. Have nothing before him. He's got to be the first. Amen? Amen? He's got to be first in our finances. He's got to be first in our time, and he's got to be first in our talent. Did did, did God shortchange us at all? Did he not give us his best? He gave us his best. So when he asked for your best, he's not doing anything that he didn't do. He gave us his best and we should give him our best. Amen. So we approach with reverence and honor. Verse 16 let us therefore come boldly. We got to approach with boldness, with freedom, with openness, hallelujah, and confidence. You don't have to worry about approaching God's throne. You're not going to burn up. God's not going to beat you up. Amen? As a matter of fact, he's going to welcome you and say, hey, it's good to see you. His door is always open to you. Amen? It always is, and it always will be. Some people just visit, other people hang out there. I tell you what, God's the most fun person you'll ever hang out with. He's the most exciting, interesting person that you'll ever talk with. You'll not, you'll not meet anyone more uh, passionate or compassionate or powerful. Amen? Amen. 
But we can go into this holy place where the king sits. And we can talk with him. We can converse with him. We can commune with him. Glory to God. Ephesians 2.18, it says, Through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3, uh, verse 10. To the, to the uh, intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. The church has access to the manifold wisdom of God. The unfolding wisdom. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? The church. Who's the church? You and I. We have access to the manifold wisdom of God. And anytime you need some wisdom, you can ask for it. To the principalities and powers in heavenly places, in accordance to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 12, Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Boldness, access. God gave you a boldness and confidence sandwich, and in the middle he put some access. (laughs) Access is in the middle between two slices of bread. Hallelujah. That's been given to you. You don't have to gain access. It's already been given. you got backstage pass. Glory to, you can go where no man has gone before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right? The seventh way that we approach God is through prayer. We approach him through prayer. Prayer is having a conversation with God. Revelation 8.3 says, Another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. You come to God through prayer. Prayer is talking to God. You don't have to change your voice to prayer. Blessed be the day. Just talk like you talk. Amen? All of us, when people pray, they all of a sudden get a King James accent. They become Shakespearean. Right? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bust your bubble. Jesus did not speak King James English. He actually spoke Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. But actually Jesus speaks all language. But people make prayer this thing like Blessed be the name of the Lord thy God. Can you imagine if I went to Illinois and visited my parents? Mother, father, how good it is to see thy souls. They'd be like, what are you on, Doug? Keep prayer simple. Keep prayer simple. You know what Peter prayed when he was drowning? Help! We come to God through prayer. That's one way that we approach the throne. (laughs) Amen? And Jesus, do you realize Jesus is making intercession for us? He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's actually praying for us while he's sitting beside the throne. 
Amen. I got two more. You okay? Hallelujah. We come to the throne through consecration, righteousness, and purity. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 19. Hebrews 10 and 19. It says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Say, I can enter the holiest. You'll never find a more holy place. Amen? As a matter of fact, you can get in the holy place and roll around. You know what you become? A holy roller. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right? Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near. You don't have to stay away. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. Do you realize in the Old Testament, the type and shadow, the high priest, before he entered into the outer outer court, there was an outer court, then there was an inner court. Then there was a holy place. Before he entered behind there, he had to go through what's called the laver. It was the, it was a, a basin of water, and he had to wash. That's like being washed in the Word, Amen. So we got to approach God's throne with consecration, righteousness, and purity. Hallelujah. All right. And uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. Sin is a deliberate treason treason against the majesty of God and an assault upon his crown and and an insult offered to his throne. That's what sin is. That's what Charles Spurgeon said. I think it's pretty good. Amen. And then finally, the last way that we approach God's throne is through worship. What happens when we praise God? The Bible says he inhabits the praises. He doesn't inhabit the complaints. You need to turn your complaints into praise and watch what, how the, watch what the situation will change. So we come to God's throne through worship. Go to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7 and verse 9. Hallelujah. Ways to approach God's throne. Whoo! Revelation 7, verse 9. Notice this. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Hallelujah. And cried with a a quiet voice? No, they cried with a loud voice. Saying, salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb, 
And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. They never get tired of worshiping God. They never say, when's this worship going to get done? They enjoy worshiping God. They're participating in worshiping God. They're falling on their faces. There's movement. There's sound. There's things happening at the throne room of God. You got the angels worshiping. You got the elders worshiping. You got tongues of people can't even number. There's a lot of room at the throne. God made space for everybody. But we got to go there. We got to make it a habit in our daily life to go into God's throne room. If you haven't been there for a while, you need to visit. Check it out. Spend some time there. Amen. Talk with God. Listen to what he says. Praise God. This is the protocol that we've been given to approach the throne of God. The throne. The most holy place. The most beautiful place. You will stand in awe of how it looks. It's glorious. It's wonderful. You'll never have any more peace than in that place. Amen? You'll never have more joy than in that place. There's joy in that place. There's peace in that place. Hallelujah. And we can go there. We can approach God. We can come into the throne room of God. We can talk with God. Every believer has this access. Every believer has this right. Every single believer. If you just got born again yesterday, you can go before the throne of God. God gave us access to this place. If he gave you access, he certainly wants you to visit, go there. Amen? He didn't give you access to not go there. God's saying, when are you going to come visit me? When are you going to come talk with me? We need to have a little chat about this. And you don't have, you don't have, you could go there from anywhere. You don't need a vehicle. You don't need a space suit. You got a Jesus suit. You got a new nature called the nature of God on you. Amen. You're already equipped to go there. It's a spiritual place. You're not going to go there with your body. I mean, God will take you out of your body to go there or, you know, he'll do something. Can't go there physically. If you go there physically, you won't want to come back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know, do you realize that there was a man whom God chose by the name of Paul, who was a persecutor? And God brought him up to the third heaven. You know what? That's the throne of God. And that's where he got the revelation to write the New Testament. He wrote most, more than half of the New Testament. All the epistles, Timothy, Peter, or Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians, Corinthians, Romans, Hebrews, all written by that guy who was up to the third heaven. He had a chat with God at the throne while he was in the Arabian desert. 
He was in the desert, but he was on the throne. Glory to God. If you're having a bad day, just take a visit to the throne and your day will change. We've been given access to the throne of God. Amen. It's not just a thought. It is an actual real place. And we got to go there. God's got things for us there. He wants to impart some things to you there. He wants to direct you from there. You know, God was sitting on his throne when he said, light be. It's a place of authority. It's a place of power. It's a place of glory. Hallelujah. It's the throne of God. Glory to God. And we've all been given an invitation. I want, let's go there right now. Amen. I want you to, if you can, stand to your feet. If you're, if you're not comfortable standing, you can sit. And for those of you that can stand and walk, I want you to do an act of faith. And I want you to walk like you're coming into God's throne. All right? And I want you to have a little talk with Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm not going to do it for you. But if you feel comfortable, I just want you to come like you're coming to God's throne. Amen. You need healing? There's healing at the throne. I mean, creative miracles. Amen. Listen, if he can, if he can say, if he can say light be from the throne, imagine what he can do to your body. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you feel comfortable, just come on up and act like you're going to God's throne. And we're just going to go before God's throne right now. Amen. We're going to go with worship, with prayer. We're going to come boldly. You don't have to come fearfully. Like, oh, what's God going to do? He's going to do nothing but love you and accept you and welcome you. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just come before your throne right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we make our way to you. We come into your presence. Hallelujah. Yeah, crank that up a little bit. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's a good choice right there. Come on. We enter through the blood of the Lamb. Come and have a little talk with Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. Glory to your holy name. Oh, we bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We glorify you. Hallelujah. I worship you, Lord. I worship you. For your name is holy. Holy. Lord. Some of you are strengthening your relationship with God today. You're stepping out into something new, a different level. God wants you to come. Step in. He's got you. He's drawing you to Him. Hallelujah.
If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come and ask God to fill you right now. He's pouring out His goodness and His favor and His blessing and His fire. His fire is flowing. Hallelujah. From the throne room, there's coals. It can touch your life. It can touch your mouth. It can change your mind. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you need to repent of any sin, just say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. He'll forgive you right now. He's faithful and just to cleanse you of all righteousness. Forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Get things right with God today. Get things right in your heart, in your life. Make God first place in your heart and in your life. Hallelujah. Well, we want to be used by God to share his glory with others, you got to come and get the glory for yourself. you got to come and let God fill you up so that you have something to give to people. Let me tell you something. People need power. Amen? And we are the vessels that God wants to use. Hallelujah. Father, I enter 
worship you for your name is holy holy And that's fine. Thank hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. God's taken us to a deeper level. He's taken us deeper in Himself. Hallelujah. And we have come before His throne room, and He is answering you. He is showing Himself strong on your behalf. He is doing great and mighty things for you, which you do not even know. He's showing you things to come. Hallelujah. He's stirring an excitement in your heart. Hallelujah. This is going to be a moment that you're going to remember. This is going to be a moment where God made a deposit on the inside of you. Something took place today in Palmyra. Hallelujah. April 23rd, in the name of Jesus, you you had a divine encounter. You're being encountered right now by Almighty God. He is overriding your problems. He is delivering you from junk. He is destroying unholy mindsets. 
They're being broken right now. You need healing? Take it. You need filling? Take it. Your name is You need direction? Receive it. No one is Hallelujah. God's going to mark this day. As he puts his mark on you, his hand is going to rest upon you. You're going to leave with God's hand on you. Hallelujah. And you're going to declare, I've been touched by the presence. I've been touched by the presence. I've been touched in the presence of God. People will say, what happened? I've been in the presence. I've been soaking in the sun. Hallelujah. I've been resting in the glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is moving some things. Barriers are being broken. Destinies are being settled. Don't let the enemy lead you astray. You know what you're supposed to do. Do it with faith. Do it with assurance. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. Someone say glory to God. Hallelujah. You had a good time at the throne this morning? It's just going to get better and better. Every time you go, God's not boring. I mean, the angels are not getting tired flying around the throne saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. They they don't fly around and say, didn't we just say that? No, because every time they fly around God, they see a different aspect, a different perspective, a different thing that they didn't see before. You never hear an angel get tired of saying, "I'm, I'm tired of flying around this throne. But our human nature gets tired of things. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you came this morning. If you need Jesus, is there anybody here that needs to be saved? I don't want to see anybody go to hell. Hell is not a place where anyone needs to end up. And I don't want to see you in hell. If you need Jesus, today's a good day to accept him. Amen. Say, I got my miracle. Say, my father's good to me. I have come to him and I have received from him. And I love him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful and great and mighty day and a great week. Amen.